Man, praise God. Y'all excited to be here this morning? Wow. I'm, I, I woke up this morning. I went outside. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? When you walked out there, though, you got like that wind. It could just calm down just a little bit. <laughs> a little cold. But welcome so much to Elevation Church. We're super thrilled that you're here. If you're visiting for the very first time, we hope and pray that you feel at home. Um, for those of you that are family, I love you so much and I appreciate you. God did some great things last night in our service. So if I'm a little raspy this morning, it's probably because of that. I, I, you know me, I, I know one speed and that's go. Um, but I know that God's going to do some big things here uh, today. And I, and I just want to pray that, that you open up your heart, you know. Uh, you might be here this morning trying to figure, maybe first time in church and go, you know, I'm trying to figure this thing out. I'm just going to ask you, just take a moment and just open your heart and just listen this morning and just, just, just let God speak to you. Amen? Would you do that? But I'm going to pray that God just uses this message this morning that God has given me. We're going to dive in here in just a moment. But I, I know uh, this is the greatest time of the year for me. I love Easter more than any other weekend of the year, than more than ever. And the reason why is because there are millions upon millions of people, believers and non-believers, who are gathering in churches all around the world this weekend to worship our risen Savior. And here's what I'm really pumped about, and I really believe this is all in my heart. And I'm praying that this is going to be a record year where the non-believers are going to make a commitment and say, you know what, I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my life this year. I believe that. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for our Savior, your Son that, Father, you have given us over 2,000 years ago. And he didn't have to come, and you didn't have to give, but you did because you're the God that we know in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that you gave your only son. And whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have everlasting life. And I pray that prayer today, and I pray that God, that that, that as I have prepared for this moment, for this hour, that God, that you will use it. You will use this message for your glory. God, I have done everything on my side. I have prepared, I have studied. And now, God, I'm asking that God, that I'm gonna do everything that I can do right now. And I'm asking, Father, that you do what I cannot do. Use this vessel in any way that you need to today, God, I submit myself to you. And God, I'm, I'm so excited, Father, what you are going to do and the lives that are going to be changed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor David. Um, I'm going to go ahead and jump on in the message this morning. And I, I, I got a clip. When my wife and I, we watched The Risen the other evening and I, that's a good movie. I, I really enjoyed that. And it's on a totally different perspective. But there was a scene in there that just really jumped off the pages. I was studying about this service today. And I want you to take a peek at this here in just a moment. But it is a Roman soldier. And he's kind of interrogating Bartholomew. And Jesus had already been risen. The disciples are missing. And this soldier is trying to find them. 
but he's interrogating Bartholomew and asks Bartholomew some questions about why are you guys so pumped about this guy, okay? That's kind of my words I'm putting in his mouth. By mine own eyes, tribute, I, I, I walked with him. He spoke to me. <laughs> it's unbelievable, but it is so. Then conjure him up right now. Or show me the body he must have shed like a snakeskin. God is not at my beck and call. God, Yahweh manifests himself through a crazy, poor, dead Jew. <laughs> well, so it appears. What does this rebirth mean? What? Eternal life. For, for, for everyone. Everyone who believes. Marvelous recruiting tool. Much better than salt. How many are you? Well, we are few for now. And our only weapon is love. But this, this changes everything. Did you hear that? This changes everything. Amen. And I love the fact when he said, you know, what, what's going on here? Don't you get it? We get to live forever. We get eternal life. And so the message today is Jesus came for if, if, if any other purpose, any other reason is to give us life, church, to give you life, to give me life. I love what it says in John 10 and 10. Let me go here real quick. John 10 and 10 says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. You want to know why people get so excited about Resurrection Sunday morning? It's because how many of you want to live forever? That seems to be the number one thing people want to live forever. They don't want to die. Well, guess what? We have a way that we can live forever, and it's free. doesn't cost us a nickel, and it was provided by the Son of the living God dying on the cross because his death and his resurrection, we get to live forever. Who would, want to, who, would, who would not want that? I want to live forever. And guess what? I am going to live forever. I get to live forever. But he came to give us life. But here's the thing. When we all really deserve death, didn't we? We all deserve death. Because we're all sinners in our own ways. And I'm going to get to that here in just a moment. But let's go back to that tragic day that happened at Calvary and what led up to the cross. And we know, and as we read it, that Jesus was whipped 39 times, the Bible says. 39 times with lashes over. And I mean, it just wasn't anything. I mean, we're talking, it was massive. They, the cat and I tells it had all these sharp edges on it. When they would whip him, it would literally rip his skin off of him. 39 times. And after beating him close to death, then the Roman soldiers takes a handmade crown of thorns and shoves it on his head, embedding those thorns in his head. How many of you ever had a head bleed before? I mean, you just get a little, man, it just bleeds forever. You can't stop the thing. But I could only imagine that the blood that was pouring down his face that day, making him unrecognizable after all the beatings, and then... Now listen, when you're crucifying someone back then, they're not there to make it easy for you. They want to literally torture you to death, okay? 
Then they pick him up and make him pick up his own cross and carry it all the way through the streets of Jerusalem. While the people were mocking him, spitting on him, cursing him, probably throwing rocks at him, while even the disciples were watching this going down. And they did nothing, couldn't do anything. But they forced him and continued to push him on all the way to what we call Golgotha or the, or the place of the skull. We'll read in just a moment. And I can only imagine his lifeless body. He falls down, I'm sure. And the Roman soldiers take his lifeless body and stretches it out over the cross. And then they pick up these stakes, I mean massive stakes, with hammers and begin to drive them in his hands. Ripping his flesh, ripping tendons, busting bones, and in his feet. And then they lift him up as a spectacle, as a spectacle in humiliation so the rest of the people could see it. And then they drop the cross in the ground hard. And I'm sure the weight of his body pulled and tugged and began to rip even more the bones and the flesh and the tendons. And he's there and he's already dying. And then a Roman soldier picks up the sword and goes up to his side and shoves it up in his side through his rib cage and his lungs And the Bible says that water and blood begin to pour out of his body that day. Now, you're talking a man who did absolutely nothing wrong, completely innocent. And then all he wanted was a drink of water, didn't he? And then the Roman soldiers picked up a sponge and soaked it in vinegar and put it up to his lips. Are you kidding me? And all I could think about this story is why man was at his worst of his worst. Our Savior was at his best of his best. Because this is what he says. When we deserve death, this is what he says. He cries out in Luke 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Paul's right there. I'm thinking about, have you ever been hurt by somebody? I know people, you probably have people borrow something from you and they never gave it back and you're just all mad and huffy about it. You just, oh, you hate them the rest of your life. Try try, try being beat to death. And we won't forgive people like that. But what does he do? Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Man, that blows me away. And what I'm learning from this story is that every single one of us, go and put this up here, every single one of us are in need of a forgiveness. We all need forgiveness and we need a savior. But I want, what I want us to learn today, and we're gonna talk about identifying what sin is, okay? And I think this is the problem in our world because until you can really truly understand that you are a sinner, you're not gonna need a savior, you got to know that you're a sinner. And we're gonna, this is what we're going to talk about this morning. But people say, well, Pastor Gary, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not that bad of a person. And we judge ourselves with everybody else. Well, at least they're doing worse than I'm doing. I, I, I'm, I'm not a bad person, right? Okay, but here, here's what I want to say. Now, now, for those of you who are regulars, you've heard me share this many times. 
But those of you who are visiting, okay, you're going to get this, okay? Now, what I want us to do, let's just get this out of the way really quick. I want all of us to turn to the person to your right. Take a moment, and I want you to look at them really good. I'm serious. Look at them really, really good. Up and down. Got it? Okay. Now turn to the person to your left. You all good. Now look them over really, really good. You got it? Look at them. Okay, now everybody look at me. Now you know what a sinner looks like. Okay? We got that out of the way. Yeah, I know you come to Elevation Church to hear a wonderful message. Oh, this is good. And I just told everybody you're sinners. Right? Well, the fact of the matter is, is the Word of God tells us. But here's the thing. Jesus still came to give us life. Even while we were sinners, watch this. In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. And, and, and for those of you that says, well, you know, I, wait a minute. I, I don't know, Pastor Gary, because there's some people in this world, they will not accept the responsibility of their sins. You ever met them? I mean, they could they like, I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> Hold on. Let me take it a step further now. Watch what it says in James 2, verses 10. Because again, my point today is to get us to recognize that we are sinners. Because if you can't recognize that, you're not going to need a Savior. Everybody understand what I'm saying? So watch what it says here. For whoever keeps the whole law, in other words, whoever obeys the whole entire Bible, that's what this is saying, and yet stumbles at yet just one point, you mess up on just one of them is what? Is guilty of breaking all of it. So in other words, if you just mess up in just one thing, it, it qualifies us as a sinner. So we all are sinners. But yet, again, Jesus still has come to give us life while we really truly deserve death. Because it also says in Romans 6 verse 23, because of our sins, we should deserve death, and we should die. for. In Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. Now, pause for a moment on that. If you got a job, how many of you got a job? Okay, you clock in, or you, you got a job, and you expect, you're not, are you all doing that for free? I don't think so. You want to get paid. I guarantee you, you're waiting till your check hits the bank because you worked. Do you see, because you work all week long, what your payment is your, is your check. The same way with sin, because the Bible says, for by one man sin entered into the world, which was Adam, death was passed upon all men. That is our payment. That is our punishment. For the wages of sin is death. Because we sin, we deserve death. We deserve to die. But here's the good part. But this incredible free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is, again, why we get pumped about Resurrection Sunday morning, because we get to live forever because of what he did. Now, I'm going to show you an incredible picture of God's forgiveness and God's grace this morning, okay? The most, the most beautiful picture of God's grace and God's forgiveness, and we can find it with the two thieves that died on the cross between him, okay? He was in the middle. He had one on his right and one on his left. And I have never preached a message on the thieves before. I'm going to do today because I think it's important that we understand God's grace and God's forgiveness, and it's found right here. And let's take a look at it this morning because there's some of us this morning 
that, 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 that you're hard on yourself. And I'm gonna help you this morning to quit being so hard on yourself and just receive it. Now, watch this. Beautiful picture of God's grace and his forgiveness. And by the way, I, this is the only point I have. God came to set us free. <laughs> Jesus came, that's it, no point. I don't have any of these points. And trust me, I, I got frustrated with myself. I'm like, Lord, I need points here because I'm a point guy. I like to be a point man, you know? Um, but we're going with it. And trust me, I'll have you out of, out of here, everybody, before one o'clock. So we're okay. <laughs> All right, listen, I'm just kidding. Tell your neighbor if they're visiting, I'm just joking. I'll have you out of here by at least 12. <laughs> No, Luke 23, verses 32 and 33. Now, focus, I'm gonna have you on there quick. So focus. It says this, two others, these are the criminals. Both criminals were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, another version is called the Golgotha, the place of the skull, they nailed him to the cross. This is Jesus. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Now, let's take a moment here for just a second. In order to crucify someone back then, it was a big deal. You had to be the worst of the worst of the worst to have to, 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 to be, uh, for them to crucify you, right? And the reason why is, is um, because it was expensive to do it. It took days to crucify someone. They would take them and march them through the streets like they did Jesus, and they would put them up on these crosses, and they'd leave them there for days and let them rot half the time on the cross and flies would be on them, but they'd leave them there in a, in a public display of humiliation just, just to humiliate them because they hated them that much. You had to be an awful person in order to be crucified. So you have to understand this is a big deal to crucify someone. So let's keep going here. And I want you to see this because this is where um, we see this incredible grace. And we'll break it down here in just a second. I want us to go slow with this because I want you to catch this because many of you are struggling in areas of your life in this area. And I'll show you where. In Luke 23, verses 39 and 41, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. In other words, made fun of Jesus and didn't, you know, was being rude and, and prideful. It said, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. Okay, did you see this attitude here? And by the way, there's two attitudes I want you to see in this story or, or, or what's happening here on the cross. But verse 40 says, but the other criminal protested. In other words, he stopped him. He said, are you nuts? And he says this, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? The other criminal was telling the other criminal this, man, we, don't you fear God? We're, we're sentenced to die. We're gonna die here. This guy could possibly help us. And it says, we deserve to die for our crimes. Did you catch that? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Did you just see the two hearts here displayed? You have one heart that is repented, that, that is accepting responsibility, said, I deserve to die, while the other one feels entitled. I didn't do anything to be on this cross today. I didn't do anything wrong. I can't believe they're doing this to me. They are the ones that's wrong. You ever met people like that? Won't accept any responsibility. They're prideful, they're arrogant, they're, they're smart alecks, <laughs> and they don't even fear God. They don't fear God at all. And so the first criminal, he didn't accept any responsibility for his sin at all. 
How many of you parents got kids like that? <laughs> Won't accept that responsibility. And you just want to just, oh, right? Trust me, I've been there with my son sometimes. When they don't accept that responsibility, it, it, it just it irritates you. I know people like that today. Won't accept that responsibility. But the complete opposite was with the second criminal. That second thief, did you notice what he said? Let's go back to what he said here in, in, in verses 40 and 41 of 23. But the other criminal protested. Are you noticing there's something in his heart that he's sensing that he's wrong? Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Even though the second criminal knew what he did was horrible, knew that he sinned. He was sinner just like the other one, but there's something in his heart. He began to accept the responsibility of his sin. And here's the problem I really believe with our culture today. You're never going to be convicted of your sin because here's what our culture teaches us. This culture compares themselves with other people and not God. You catch that? In other words, we're always trying to find someone either better than us or worse than us. I know, I, I, I know people today. I talked to a young lady this week, and she came out of a horrible relationship. But I knew when she was dating this guy that it was wrong for her. And, and it was hard for me. You just couldn't. And I talked to her. I said, you know, I felt like telling you. She said, I probably wouldn't listen to you. Because everybody was telling me it was bad for me. They got married and, and literally almost destroyed her life. He was a liar. He was a manipulator. And this guy, very controlling, but she finally got away from him. And she looked at me and said, why didn't you tell me? And I said, it wouldn't have worked because this culture compares themselves with other people. Don't sit, sit down the other one. This culture compares itself with other people and not God. She wasn't comparing herself with God. She was finding someone else that would agree with her. And I'm going to tell you something, church. We can find someone to agree with our sin all day long. Amen. You can find it. And this is the problem with our world. If you do not understand and recognize that you're a sinner, you're not going to need a savior. Now, let's take it a step further. Now, let's go here. You'll never be able to expose the sins in your life, always comparing yourself with other sinners you got to compare yourself with the Holy One. And this criminal, both criminals, one on his right, one on his left, the second criminal began to recognize that he had sin in his life. You know why? Because he started to repent. He started to have forgiveness. He started to take ownership and responsibility of his sin. And because he was taking ownership, he was sitting next to a spotless lamb of God, the one who could wash away his sin. And he felt the guilt. He felt the shame and said, I don't want to live this way anymore. Because he recognized he was a sinner. And until we can recognize we're a sinner, we will not need a savior. We have to see ourselves as sinners. And I know that you come to your positive message, but I'm, I'm trying to help us. I know I'm a sinner. That's what helps me stay saved. Because the closer I get to God, I know the conviction happens and I need to make it right with God. And that's why we come to the scripture in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, this is the first step of responsibility. I'm not perfect. 
And I have to accept the responsibility of and confess my sins. And he is what? He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love this scripture. And you know what I think about this scripture? Man, I want you to, I want you to go with me on this. And I want you to understand what I'm saying with this. Our children will look at God the way they see us. The way you treat them is the way they think God's going to treat them. Especially men. And even young girls do it too. If they have a bad father, they're not, it's hard for them to serve God because they think that God's like that. And so what, what I felt, to, what I said, I said, God, if you are willing to forgive me of my sin, if I confess it to you and you're gonna wash it away, then if my son comes to me and he confesses his sin, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this with him as well. And I've taught him this. I told him, I said, son, if you confess your sins, I promise you, I will not beat your tail. It might be a little punishment, be a little grounding, but I will never whip you if you confess your sins to me, right? Why? Because if God's gonna do me this way, why won't I do my own son this way? But I'm sitting and saying, God, forgive me my sins. Thank you, Jesus. And your kid comes to you and says, Dad, I just, you know, I did this, this, this. Get in there. They're never gonna tell you the truth again. They're trying to confess. And then you just beat them up. Now, I'm not saying another word, man. No, forgive them. And so I've always taught my son this to do this. And so one day in children's church, uh, it, Pastor Gina Shepherd was his children's pastor, great gal on staff with us up in Greenwood. And Caleb got in trouble, him and his buddy, for, for, for talking or doing something. They did something, got in trouble. But immediately after church, he comes running to me. He said, Dad, tears in my dad, I'm sorry. I got in trouble in children's church. And I, and I really made Pastor Gina feel bad. And, and I apologized to her. I asked her to forgive me. I asked God to forgive me. And Dad, I, I'm going to ask you to forgive me too, Dad. Will you forgive me? Now, again, he was probably only in, in maybe, uh, what, third grade? And he's, he's, he's asking for my forgiveness. I said, well, son, yeah, I'll forgive you. What did you do? And then all of a sudden, it was real quick, Pastor Gina comes down the hallway chasing and saying, Pastor Gary, he's telling the truth. Don't, 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 don't do bad things. He confessed, he's sorry, and I received, it's okay. He's asked for forgiven, but his little buddy wasn't. <laughs> little buddy denying everything, would not ask for forgiveness, didn't accept the responsibility. So you know what Pastor Gina did? She, now, by the way, Caleb was watching all this go down. Pastor Gina and I was standing here together with Caleb and the other little boy's parents is right here. And she looks at his parents and said, we need to talk. <laughs> and his little boy right in front of him said, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. She's lying. She, I didn't do anything. And he was a leader in a church and he looked at him and his wife said, in this room right now, son. He took him in that room and there was noises we heard. And my son heard those noises and he's walking down the hallway and said, I've been forgiven because I told the truth, amen. <laughs> I, see what I'm saying? One accepted the responsibility, but the other one didn't. And this is what happened with these men on the cross. One accepted his sin, but the other one didn't. And guess what? The other one did die and died in probably into eternity to hell, but the other one got to live. God gave him life. He gave him life. And so in other words, and, and, and put this up, you'll never need a savior. And I've been saying this, if you can't accept the responsibility of your sin. And so this morning, one mission today on this Easter Sunday morning is let's accept responsibility, church. If you want to get close to God, don't try to hide it, but confess it. And let God begin to heal you and forgive you of it. 
The second criminal deserved to die. He really deserved to die, but Jesus gave him life. And here's the reason why. In Luke chapter, this is where I'm going to show you an incredible story of grace. This is amazing. Oh, it pops off the page when you read it. In Luke 23, verses 42 and 43, then he said, this is the second criminal taking responsibility. Jesus, remember me. Nothing more and nothing less. See, he has already been confessing that he's not good. He's already confessed that he deserves to die. He already confessed that Jesus is good and he's bad. See, he keeps confessing. Now, He's asking Jesus, remember me. Remember me, Jesus. When you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, man, when the creator of the universe says this, man, it's got my attention. He says, I assure you, no doubt, no second guessing it, but I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. You are going to heaven, son. And all he had to say is remember me. Did you catch what I just said? Now, many Christians struggle with this so bad today. Remember me, remember me. Surely today I will see you in paradise. Because Christians today have built their entire salvation and their love of God for them on works. They think if I could just do this and do that and do this, then God is going to say, then I get to go to heaven. We have churches in America that's put rules and regulations on people. Oh my goodness gracious. Well, you can't wear, you, you, you can't wear pants. You got to wear pants. You can't cut your hair. You better cut your hair. You can't wear makeup. You better wear makeup. You can wear short sleeve shirts. You can't wear short sleeve shirts. Are you kidding me? You can say this, but you can't say that. And all these rules are right. And here's what happens. The moment that you mess up on one of those rules, you, you feel like you're going to die and go to hell. Pastor Doug ministered this. Because this is what the enemy tries. He brings this condemnation on you. Can I, can I tell you something? Listen to me very closely. And please get this statement. And you hear me say this quite often if you've been here a long time. You've got to be before you can do, and you've got to do before you can have. And most people, as Christians, they, 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 they forget about the being because they can't receive the being that God has for them. It's a free gift. Okay, and they try to start doing. They immediately start doing. Do, 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 do. I'm gonna do this, gotta do this, gotta do this. Oh, I'll get to heaven. But I'm gonna tell you something. You can't do enough to get you to heaven. Can't do it. God's not gonna get you to heaven for doing anything for him. You've gotta come to the place where your heart's right and you say, Jesus, I need you to come. This man, he didn't get to teach Sunday school class. He didn't get to do anything. Are you seeing his grace? He didn't get to do it. I'm telling you, church, you can't do anything to receive God's grace and his salvation. You just receive it. It's a free gift. And once you receive it, then as a Christian, then you start doing. Then you start to do the things that a Christian should do to represent Christ. Right? But you got to be before you can do, and you got to do before you can have. Amen. And so this, this, this guy on the cross, he, he wasn't about doing anything, but he had to be. And he, he confessed and he had to believe. 
And so watch this now. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it's grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved. Through faith, that not of yourselves, you can't do a thing for it, it is the gift of God. Free, doesn't cost you a nickel. Here's where, it, here's where it lands. Not of your works. This man received Christ because he got his heart right. He accepted responsibility and said, I'm a sinner. I deserve to die. That's my punishment. And Jesus started to see in his heart humble. And all the man said was, Jesus, will you remember me? He said, today, today, I will see you in paradise with me. Now, I think about this story for a minute. I had a little fun with last night. It just hit me. You know, this moment they got to heaven, Jesus looked at him and said, oh, by the way, I'm leaving in three days. I got to go back. <laughs> I'm just getting to know you, man. What do you mean you're going to go back? He said, but be patient. I'll be back in 50 days. Y'all don't have a clue what I just mean by that. <laughs> Let me... You get, ding, ding, ding. Okay, okay, listen. The dude dies, goes to heaven with him. Three days, Jesus was in a tomb. Okay, he, he was dead. He was in heaven. Then boom, now he's alive again. He comes back to earth. So he's back to earth for 50 more days. So then he goes back. Then the guy gets to hang out with him after 50 days. But anyway, bottom line is this. He made it to heaven because of his heart. Amen. But my, bottom, but my point is this. What Jesus did on the cross is enough, church, is enough. If someone starts putting rules and regulations on you, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, and then all of a sudden, if you feel like you're going to die and go to hell because you did something wrong, let me tell you something. No, it's your heart. Is your heart right? I love David. David was a man after God's own heart because he was just quick to repent. Just repent. If you will confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Your salvation is there. So, 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 so you can't work to get it. But both criminals, and here's my, here, and I'm going to wrap it up. Pastor David, I'm going to wrap this up right now. Hopefully. I want you to think about this. Both criminals were, 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 were they did the same crime. They were just as equally awful. It was both the same day. They both were, were being crucified between the same Savior Everything was the same. Same day, everything. But here's my point. One received Christ and the other one didn't. And there are some of you here today. And this is what aches my heart. And there are going to be people across America do the same thing. They're going to come into the same church. They're going to sing the same songs together. They're going to hear the same message. And they're going to be sitting next to someone to their right and to their left, just like these criminals did. And one's going to say, I don't need a Savior. There's nothing wrong with me. But the other one's going to say, I do need a Savior. I'm not perfect. And you know what God's going to do? When you admit it, when you finally accept responsibility, God's going to pour his grace on you. And he's going to look at you and say, surely today, 
but not today, but I assure you that someday I will see you in heaven because you had a change of your heart and you confessed with your mouth and you believed in your heart. These criminals, you know, one received salvation and the other one didn't. Now, let's go on to this scripture right here because this is the key in John 3, 16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes, whoever believes, not whoever does the most work, not whoever, you know, teaches the most in class. Now, I'm not saying those things are good. Not the one who witnesses more than the other one. And again, those things are good. But the one who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now here's my point. There are people in the world that have not accepted responsibilities for their sins. But I call them children or, or, or grown-up kids that have gotten saved by their parents. This is dangerous. No, parents, be careful when you look at your child and say, I remember when you received Jesus when you were five years old, and now you're, you're saved. But he's out and he's, he's living like awful. No, he's not saved. He never, because trust, when you make a decision to serve your Savior, when you come to the place and you accept responsibilities for your sin, you don't want to live that way anymore. And when you do fall down and when you do mess up, you'll get on your knees and say, God, forgive me, I messed up. You know, when your friends, you know, a good friend is a friend when they mess up, they'll, they'll, they'll say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, there's been times, Denny, and we've said we're sorry to one another. Maybe because of a, I don't know, I can't remember the time we, but you know what I'm saying. But a believer, when you, when, when you say something wrong or, or, you, or you do something, you don't mean it intentionally, you accept responsibility. That's being a born again Christian. Because you know why? Because I'm up close to Jesus, the one who's a spotless lamb, the one who was risen for me. And as close as I get to him, this thing exposing me all the time. It exposes it. But you won't expose it hanging out with the sinner. Show me your friends, I'll show your future won't happen. That's why an addict will never get set free as long as he's hanging out with the other addicts. That's why people that are being unfaithful to their spouses will never always be unfaithful because they're hanging out with other people that's unfaithful to their spouses. Oh, it's no big guy. I do it all the time. Well, you get up close to Jesus and accept responsibility and you say, nah, I need new friends. I'm not going to have you in my life anymore. Uh-uh. No. Amen. <laughs> For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm going to close with these scriptures because here's the thing. When we understand God's grace and God's goodness, it, it, it turns on the word like we've never seen it before. I mean, you start to see it on a whole different light. You start to appreciate the word. You start to appreciate, whoa, this is for me. Let's go here. Isaiah 1 and 8 says, come now, let us settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they make us feel bad. I will make them as white as snow. I'll forgive you. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. 
let me do it for you. All you do is just, just, just give it to me. And then he goes on in Psalms 103, verses 10 and 12. He does not punish us for our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. When you mess up, he's going to be there with his arm. He didn't look at that guy on the cross and say, you're too bad. Shut your mouth. I'm, I'm dying here because of you two. He didn't do that. He said, Today, Today. I'm going to remember you in paradise because your heart, you know why I'm here. You know why I'm dying. I'm dying for you. And this morning, he died for you and you and you and you, all of us. Let's accept responsibility and watch what he'll do. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. But we keep holding ourselves in hostage to it, don't we? God put this up here. Go ahead and go to the next one here. God doesn't give you life because of what you do. Again, you got to be before you do, and you got to do before you have. He doesn't give you life because of what you do, church. Please get this. And I'm not trying to have you walk out and say, well, I don't have to do anything anymore. No, once you get saved, then you start to doing. But people's hooked up on the salvation part. If I do this wrong, if I do, I'm going to hell. No, we're all sinners. I just showed you that. <laughs> of what you do, he gives you life because he just loves you. He can't love you anymore, and he can't love you any less. God loves you because he loves you because he loves you, and I'm sorry, there's nothing I could do about it. But it's your choice, rather or not, if you're going to let him love you. It's your choice, rather or not, if you're going to accept responsibility and say, I am a sinner, God, and I'm in need of a Savior. Amen. 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 I'm going to ask you, did you come, and do you need a Savior? Or have you got it all together? Because I haven't got it all together. I'm in need of a Savior every day of my life. I was in need of a Savior when I woke up this morning before I sat in this pulpit. I need a Savior. And I said, God, I pray that there's others that need a Savior too. Jesus came to give you life, church. And not just life, but life more abundantly. Life is eternal life. More abundantly is here on earth. He doesn't want you living in poverty and stressed out all. He wants to give you life here on earth too. He wants to give you that abundant life. Come on, whole worship team, get up here. Hurry quick. I'm running out of things. I'm feeling lonely. But our Savior today, we worship him because he died on that cross over 2,000 years ago. And they took him down and they put him in that tomb. And he lay there for three days to fulfill the prophecies that were spoken. But on the third day, he came out of that tomb to give you life, to give me life, to give that, to give that Bartholomew life that we just had. He came to give us life, nothing more and nothing less. That's why we're here. That's why we celebrate. And it's so simple. It has nothing to do with works. It has everything to do with, with confessing in the heart. Watch. And I'm going to wrap it up. In Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth, 
the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. Confessing and believing, confessing and believing. That's what this soldier, that's what that criminal did on the cross. He confessed that he was not good. He confessed he needed to die. But then he believed. Remember me, Jesus. He knew at that moment he was the real Messiah. Remember me. Believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead and you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And my favorite passage scripture in the entire Bible in Romans 10 verse 13. For whoever, whoever, I get so tired of people saying, well, there's only groups, certain groups of people going to heaven. I'm like, what Bible are you reading, son? You're about as confused as three o'clock in the afternoon. You need, seriously, I'm serious. Because listen, if anybody says, if they tell you, I don't care who you are. If you want to go to God, he's not going to turn you away. I don't care how bad you are. I don't care how awful. These guys were awful. They didn't get to earn anything. He just received them. Because you see, it goes against God's immutability. If you understand God's characteristics, God's, God's uh, 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 characters, the character of God, his attributes, you'll know immediately that God will never, ever create anything and have it go to hell. Can't do it. It goes against the law of God. God's a perfect God in every way. God's a God of love. God will never create anything or anyone and send them to hell. Can't do it. Impossible. I can prove to you. Impossible. It's, it's, it goes against his very character. He's an immutable God, omniscient God, omnipotent God, okay? You know who sends man to hell? Himself. Those two thieves had a choice. One chose, the other one didn't. Bottom line. God's grace is for everyone. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I want to thank you for your word this morning. And God, I know that, God, that there are some here today that God that is in need of a Savior. And I pray that, God, that they'll, that they'll come to the place where we all need to come and say, God, I need forgiveness, God. And I'm going to accept responsibility. And I know, God, I'm not perfect. I know that, God, that I'm still a sinner. I know that, God, I mess up. But I pray that, Father, that, God, that you would begin to transform me, God, into being the person that you want me to be. And, God, there may be someone here that has never received you as their Savior. I pray that, God, today, today, God, let them be the second criminal, that, God, that says, remember me. Remember me, Jesus. Let them be that one, God, that accepts that responsibility. Say, God, I need a Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. 